much. Let's just, let's just stand together to pray before we go as the worship team leaves. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness today. And Lord, whatever we're going through in our lives, Lord, you are faithful. And Father, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone online today that somehow, Lord, that you would do something, touch their lives afresh today. Lord, give them fresh hope, Lord, for tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are capable, and Father God, that you promise, Lord, that you'll be with us. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness to us, and we ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Come on, let's thank our worship team today and everyone else serving in the body of Christ today. We appreciate you. Okay, so if you were here last week, I think it was last week, time goes so quick, um, I spoke about um, the, the ministry that God has given to us as the people of God is that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I talked about God's provision. This is the last sermon on um, God's provision this week, and then we move into our Christmas themes. And so I talked last week about how God has provided for us. He's provided salvation as we've heard over the last few weeks, his wonderful salvation through Jesus, that those that don't know Christ, that can be forgiven of their sins and come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And also, not only to be forgiven of our sins, but also have assurance of eternal life forever. And so that is God's provision through us. And he came as a man, fully human, fully God, to die on a cross for us. But then I also said last week, if you remember, that God provides through his people. And uh, there'll be times in your life that God will use people that don't even know him actually to do his will for him to your life. You look for the New to Old Testament that God raised up many heathen kings to do God's will for him. And so they didn't even know God fully, but yet God used them to actually bring in God's purposes into the lives of the people of God. And so God's ways are to use God's people. And so I want to just come back to that today because in life, I want, to, I want you to know that you will not be able to fulfill the will of God without the people of God. And so you, you can't just say, it's me and Jesus and we'll do it. No, you and Jesus won't do it. Even though God is enough, God has chosen to use people to help us fulfill his purpose. And so because if, if it was just you and Jesus, then it's, it's impossible to fulfill the second command, which is love one another. And so God's plan is that we will love God and put him first, but the second is equal, is that we also love one another, and you can't do that without being with people. So say, come on, say amen. And so you can't do Christianity on your own, because you can't fulfill most of the commands in the Bible. And so we need each other actually to fulfill God's purpose in our life. And so if you're sitting at home and I'm saying this, if you are capable of connecting with the body of Christ in person, then do that because God's purpose can only be fulfilled when you actually are moving together with God's people. And so when we look at the, the few things that God uses for his provision is God's word. So everybody would agree with that. God's word, God's promises is a way that God brings provision to our lives. And so how do we get God's Word? So let me help you understand very easily, how did we get God's Word? And actually, God's Word came to us through people. Uh, it didn't just come from heaven and land in a book. Uh, you know, God used people. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture 
is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And 2 Peter 1 says, For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, through you, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So every book in the Bible has come through a person. So everything that we have in the Bible today, God has used to, and they didn't know there was right in the Bible, by the way. The Apostle Paul, three, three-thirds of the New Testament, he had no idea in prison that his letters to the churches was going to be the Bible. And so God used people to bring the Word of God to us through life. And so when we look at the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, how did God decide for the Holy Spirit to, to help uh, the plan of God on earth? He came to fill people. It's amazing, isn't it? God didn't need to indwell people, to use people for His glory, but God decided to come by His presence. Uh, doesn't restrict it to people, but He decided to fill people with His power and His presence and to impart gifts and abilities to do God's will. And so even with God's Word and God's presence, God still actually still didn't leave people out to be provision for the world and for humanity. And so I want to encourage you, it doesn't restrict God when He fills people to use people. It doesn't restrict God that God can still move without people. Do you know that? So, so God turns up to Moses without any human intervention. It was God that went to Moses and didn't need anybody, in, didn't need a person. He just spoke to Moses and says, right, Moses, I'm going to set my people free. And, God, and Moses went, that's awesome, God. I'm really glad you're going to do that. And, and God said, no, Moses, you don't understand. You're going to do it. I've decided that I'm going to use you to set my people free. But God didn't need anybody to intervene with Moses. Just like when, when the Apostle Paul or Saul was on his, on his way to kill the church and persecute the church, Jesus turned up. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't have a human intervention. It was a supernatural encounter with God and he turned up and knocked Paul off his horse. And so, and then we hear stories today of God, Jesus turning up in dreams and visions to, to the Muslim world and to many other people and having supernatural encounters with God. But here's the thing, God just doesn't leave that on its own. After the encounter, God always connects a human to help the person on their journey. So, so even though Paul has an amazing experience of Jesus, he's now blind. And so what, God, what does God do? After an amazing encounter with just Jesus and him, he sends Ananias to go pray for him so the scales will fall off and help him on his journey. And then God uses Barnabas to go get Paul after 14 years and bring him back to the apostles to endorse his ministry. So God always used people to fulfill his will in our lives. So I want to say to you, no matter how anointed you are, no matter how much the dreams you've got from God, you can never fulfill God's plan without people. There's always somebody on the other side of your dream that's going to help you to where you need to go in your life and ministry. And so we need to be open to know that without us, without us participating with God, partnering with God, we will not fulfill God's will in our lives. Let me just say this to you. It's amazing that God has called me to be a pastor. But if you didn't turn up this morning, I haven't got a job. If you haven't got a need in your life, then God doesn't need me. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? If we didn't need music, if we didn't need welcome people, we didn't need, if we didn't need all these things to make Sunday happen, then we haven't got a ministry. So God has decided in His infinite wisdom that people are His plan to bring God's will to, earth, to the earth and through you. And so I, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you today that I want to bring four ways, four basic ways how we can participate in helping all of us fulfill God's will in our lives while we're on earth. It's amazing that, that Pastor Lee talked about us getting stuck and he, and he used an amazing scripture that says that Jesus came to set us free. And the Bible says that when the sun sets you off, you're free, you're free indeed. But the truth is that we get stuck, don't we? Don't we? Some of you have come to church today and you're stuck. And you're asking God to help you. And you're stuck. And, and even though the truth is that we've been set free, some of us are not free. But there's no need to be ashamed about that because the reason why sometimes that we're not free is so because on the other end of your freedom is somebody that's going to help you get free. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to depend not only on God, but in God's people and others to help us to get free. That's what God has chosen to do in John 11. And as, as Lee was speaking this, this came to my mind instantly of where God wants to lead us this morning. He says, when he had said this, as Lazarus is dead now, and Jesus turns up and he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And so when the sun sets you free, you're free. Indeed, this man was dead. And we were once dead in our sins and Christ has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light and adopted us into his family. It says the dead man came out and we've came out and Jesus called us and we responded to the gospel. We came alive to Christ. No longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but alive to God, he called us out. But in our walk with God, we still get stuck. We're still on a journey. We still need to, to get free, even though we are free. Does that make sense to us this morning? And so he says, the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with stri stripes of linen and clothes around his face. Now listen, this man has been called out. He's been set free and we know that we're free indeed. But Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. See, as people of God, we've still got some grave clothes and, and, and God's not going to do it for you. But God's got people to help you to get free. And, and if we're not teachable, if we're not pliable, if we're not in a place of fellowship, we will struggle all our life with stuff that others have got the answer for, the gifts for, the help for, where we need to submit our lives to, to get free. He says, okay, I've called him out of darkness. I've given him back life. Now you take off his grave clothes. And all of us have got some kind of grave clothes still attached to us. And the reason why we're not free is because we won't actually come into a place where we can get help from one another. Either we're too proud or we're too embarrassed. And, and unless, unless we, we humble ourselves and we get to trust people enough to say, can you pray for me in that area? Or, or do you know how I, you, have you had any experience in that area? Have you experienced, and we can help one another with our strengths and how we've got free in our lives. And so our walk with God is a journey and 
none of us are free instantly. And so after so many years, if, you've, if God's done something for you, uh, and you, you can then help some others get free. So the more you get free, the more ministry you've got to other people. And the problem is sometimes in churches that some people want to get other people free and they're not even free themselves. Listen, you can't free anybody if you're not free. And so the most effective ministry that you have is that when you get free of something, you have authority to help somebody else get free. Because you've experienced the freedom and you've had done something to get free, but, but that God's gift to you, your freedom is God's gift to you to help somebody else get free. This is not about you and Jesus on your own and how great you are. Everything you experience in life, every gift that you've been given, every ability and break that you have is always for somebody else. And if we could get that as a church, everybody would be on board. You just wouldn't come and sit and listen to a message you would realise that you're here for a purpose on purpose, that God has experienced you in your life journey, is that you can benefit somebody else in this community so that we can go out to the world and offer them hope and life and freedom. But we're all on a journey, but we need each other. And so four basic ways how we can do that, and the very basic, simple ways, the first is prayer. We need to be able to pray for one another. Prayer is so important that we're asking God on behalf for God to get involved in your life and my life. And Jesus wasn't too proud to ask for prayer. The Apostle Paul wasn't too proud to ask for prayer. Everybody in the Scripture asked for prayer because they knew that they would get God involved in their lives because without God involved and praying for one another, they'd still be not free. And so we have to pray Together, Jesus said, I'm not taking them out of the world, but I'm letting them stay in the world and I'm praying for them that the truth will be sanctified in them. And he said, I'm sending them in the world, but I'm also not praying for them alone. I'm praying for those that don't know me yet. So prayer is the key to help lost people find Jesus. And it's also the key to help save people get more free. The power of prayer for one another is so important. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Did you know that you have an enemy that wants to sift you? You have an enemy that wants to delay your purpose in God, that wants to send all kinds of hassle to stop you worshipping Jesus and using your God-gift ability to serve other people. That's his strategy. He wants to, de to de delay you. And so, so Satan tried to do that with Peter. But look what Jesus' response was. But I have prayed for you so that your faith may not fail. You know, you may have come to church this morning and you know that your faith is failing. Even though you're here thinking, I'm just hanging on by a cotton thread. But, but I want to encourage you, to encourage you today that somebody's going to be praying for you today. In our prayer meeting, we are praying for you that your faith will not fail. Prayer strengthened your faith. And if you know there's one or two people in your church that's saying, I'm praying for you this week, that just brings energy, but you've got to get to know people so we can say that to one another. It's not an isolation thing, this. That we're in this together. If we are brothers and sisters in Christ, who's supposed to be having each other's back in prayer and saying, whatever you're going through, I'm going to be touching God for you this week. 
And I'm, I'm going to, no matter how much Satan tries to get you, my prayers are going to be so powerful before God that your faith will not fail. And if you know that today, then you can be strong. It says in Acts 4, and we're talking about copying the New Testament church now. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. After they prayed, it's a corporate community thing. It's just not me getting locked away on my own, even though that's good. But it has to be a community together prayer thing. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting, so there was a togetherness, was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God boldly. And so if we're going to get the message out, we've got to begin to pray for one another so God will fill us afresh that we can speak boldly against what is coming in our life. So prayer is so important that we're praying together praying for one another, says Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him and an angel turned up and opened the prison doors. The power of prayer is so important for you. And so you may be sitting here at home online and you feel like you're in a prison. Well, listen, when the people of God begin to pray, supernatural things can open prison doors for you. Come on. Church, the power of prayer in community opens the prison doors. And as we know, when Paul and Silas were praying at midnight, not only prison doors opened, but chains fell off. And so you may be stuck and you may be just trying to get through stuff in your life with personal stuff and you're stuck or chained or imprisoned. But prayer releases those things in your life. And if the church could get this, and we could come together at home and midweek and whenever it is and say, we are praying for the people of God in our community. You begin to see things happen supernaturally in our lives. Paul prays, I pray out the, the glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power through the Spirit. How do we get strengthened? Through prayer through seeking God, that God would what? Just bless me? No, that God would strengthen you with power. Wow, so you can get to know Christ more and His purpose. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, most, a lot of Christians' prayer meetings is about just getting through for themselves. And our prayer meetings is the priorities that, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. That Jesus will be bigger on the inside of you, not your bank balance. Because when Jesus gets bigger on the inside of you, your bank balance will take care of itself because He will take care of it. So our goal is that Christ becomes bigger in us because He who is in us is greater than He who is in the world. And if the one who is in you is only small, you'll always get defeated. And so that's why Christ has to dwell on your heart through faith. And that's why prayer is so important that we're praying for one another more and more. And I pray, Paul says, in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and, and always keep on praying for all of God's people. Pray also for me that whenever, whenever I speak, I speak words that may be given so that I will be able to speak fearlessly, making known the mystery of the Gospel. When's the last time have you asked somebody to pray that you would speak fearlessly the Gospel? of Jesus. See, if God has given us a mandate to be ambassadors, these are the kind of prayers we need to be praying. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. 
So our prayer should be, Lord, I wanna do your will. Whatever it is that you've gifted me with, whatever it is, I want you to dwell in my heart through faith and I want you to give me boldness so I can give this hope, this message to a world. That's the kind of prayers, not just little prayers to get me through till Monday, but with a bigger picture of God's mission and purpose for your life. You know, God has saved you and left you here not just to get by, but, but has called you to be significant, an ambassador and a witness to do extraordinary things for your life. And we need to pray bigger prayers, more dangerous prayers, more adventurous prayers than just, oh Lord, will you get me through today's bills? No, God will take care of the bills if we take care of his message. Lord, use us for your glory. It's not about me, it's about you. And so we gotta get more powerful and earnest in prayer so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Listen to what Paul says. And for which I'm an ambassador. But where was he the ambassador? In chains. Paul was an ambassador in prison. So let me just say this to you. When you, when you begin to pray and begin to pray God's will in your life, even though you may be in a prison situation, you still never forget you're an ambassador. Who you are in Christ. I am who you say I am. And we forget who we are when a crisis hits because our, our, our vision is too small of what God's purpose is for our life. God's got a bigger vision for you, a bigger purpose for you to get His message and your life story to a world that needs you. And we've got to begin to pray for one another. The second thing, basic thing, is that to use our spiritual gifts and abilities in the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of workings, but all of them and everyone is the same God working. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And Ephesians says, so, so listen, God is, when you become a Christian, God gives you a gift or gifts, natural and supernatural Every one of us has been given gifts by God, abilities where you can use to strengthen the body and reach the world. And we will give an account for the gifts that God's given to us when we stand before him. Some Christians bury their talent. Some Christians don't even want to get involved in using their gifts to serve other people. But God's giving you those gifts and without you using your gifts, the body can't function properly. And the apostle talk, talks to us in 1 Corinthians about the body of Christ and each one being a part of it and every part being so important. The foot can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the leg, I don't need you. Every part of the body, seen or unseen, needs to function properly for the body to actually be healthy. And, and unfortunately, in the body of Christ, not everybody functions there was a lot of part, there's a lot of spectators in the body. It, it, statistics tell us over years of a leadership course is that, that, that 80% of the ministry is done by 20% of the church. 20% of people serve in the body of Christ. And it's, that should not be because God's gifted every one of you. Have you considered when you've came to church that God's gifted you to use your gift to serve other people to help strengthen the body to reach the world? That, that's why God's gifted you. And we're all different. And every single gift is really important. That if, we all, if everyone just in this room right now 
would say to God, I'm going to use my gift. Can you imagine the explosion, what would happen in the next two months? If every one of us in this room said, I'm going to use whatever my ability is and my gift, even if it was just on a Sunday, to serve somewhere, there'll be an explosion of revival just in a few months because everybody has realised God's given them a gift to do something with. And then if everybody out of Sunday on Monday realised that God's gift you for a world, can you imagine what would happen to your workplace if you know God's gifted you to help serve some other people? It'd be amazing if we could do that, the body of Christ, but unfortunately in many churches, there's just the few that does most of the work. And that's why the church is not at its best because people are not willing to give their gift to serve other people. And many of us will use our gift to serve ourselves, and that's cool. But your gift is not just for you. Your gift is for others that we can help strengthen one another and build each other up. And the Bible tells us that God has placed the gifts in us just as he wanted and determined. And you know, the gift to us sometimes in the body of Christ it's what Jesus would say, I've given gifts to men. They give us the fivefold ministry in the body of Christ. So apostle, teacher, prophet, pastor, and evangelist. Fivefold, a handful of ministry gifts. And do you know what those ministry gifts are for? The fivefold, their callings, their offices, that God decides to choose people that I would never choose because I'd never have chosen me to be pastor, whatever it is, in the fivefold, to give, to give their life to serve for what reason? Ephesians 4 tells us to equip the body for works of service. So in the past, the congregations have thought the pastors are the ministers and the congregation are just there to clap. But the Bible says the fivefold ministry are the equippers and the body are the ministers. Did you know that you are ministers here today? And the fivefold ministry are the equippers. So our job is to equip you to do the works of service. So if you only come to watch today, you're not being equipped. And we're not really doing our job properly. Because what tends to happen in most churches, that the ministers do all the work. And everybody else just applauds or writes letters about they don't like the music or they don't like the heating or they don't like the lights or they didn't like the song. And so they just assist the devil and don't resist him. And then that's why pastors get burnt out and can't do the work. Because everybody's got an opinion instead of rolling their sleeves up and saying, here I am, Lord. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Come on, that leads an applause today. And so our job is to provoke you, encourage you, whatever it takes to get you uncomfortable, to get you to get to God and say, okay, what do you want me to do, Lord? And some of you are saying, well, how, where do I start? It's very simple. Do whatever you can to help. It's, this is so simple. I don't need a dream and a vision and a prophet and 10 angels to turn up and tell me what I do to serve God. All I need is anywhere I can help today. On the door, no problem. I'm going to give you the best smile you've ever seen in your life. Want me to make the tea? I'll make sure it's strong enough and sweet enough. I'll do whatever is needed. See, availability is the key for God using you. 
It's not the ability. Ability comes later because I didn't know what I was good at when I got saved. All I did was said to the pastor every day, went to the church, I've got an hour free, what do you want me to do, pastor? He couldn't believe it that somebody came to the church and asked him, what do you want me to do, pastor? He went, what do you mean? I went, do you want any help anywhere? I don't know what I'm good at. I don't even know what calling is. I don't even know what gifts I've got. But all I know is I'm available for an hour. What do you want me to do? And I think it like blew his mind a little bit. So the only job he could give me was to go in the car park and tidy the car park up. And the biggest mess in the car park was cigarette ends, butts, where, where people would come to church and they would be in the car park having a fag because they couldn't do it in the church, especially when we were worshipping the Lord. So they did it outside. And so he said, well, the car park's full of cigarettes. I said, well, I'll go and pick him up. And do you know what? When I was in the car park and I was picking those cigarette butts up, I was the happiest person in the world. Do you know why? Because I was doing it for Jesus. And I was helping the pastor. I had no idea I'd be doing this 30 years later. No idea. All I knew is I was going to be available for God. If I only can make you leave today saying to God, here I am only available. What do you want me to do for you? I'll tell you what, we'll give you a job very quickly. Because if you don't use your gifts, let me tell you what happens to you. You get stagnant. And do you know what happens to stagnant stuff? It begins to smell. And what happens to stagnant Christians is that they moan a lot. They always tell you what you're not doing, what you should be doing, but they don't do nothing. It's called a stagnant Christian. The worst kind of Christian you can ever be. God forgive me, but I don't want to be a stagnant Christian because I started to smell and moan. But you know when you get involved, you haven't got time to moan because you're doing it. You've got to get it done for Jesus and for everybody else. And so can I encourage you that God's given you a gift not to sit on, but to use for his glory. Now listen, seasons change in our life and things happen, circumstances, our health. And so some of you can't serve how you used to serve before. And so God uses you differently. Every one of us can pray. Every one of us can pick the phone up and say, how are you? I'm praying for you. Not, you might not be as mobile as you used to, but you can still be useful for God as long as you're available. It's an availability that counts in our lives. So I want to encourage you. To, to, to tap into what God's got for your life. Because there is nothing better in the world than serving God. I want to tell you now, <clears throat> if I didn't do something for God, I'd really be bored about Christianity. It'd bore me coming to church, sitting down, listening to me every week. It'd be drive me crazy sitting there doing nothing. I'm thinking I've got to get involved. I've got to try and make a difference with my little bit of a gift. Can I urge you, online, in the house, God has gifted you for a purpose. And you've got to get your gift out, your availability, and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Use me for your glory. And you'll begin to see things flow out of your life. Joy will come back. Excitement will come back. And the reason sometimes we are backslidden is because we're not involved we're not involved in the war. And so I want to encourage you.
to get involved. So God chooses a handful to equip the saints and then God releases the whole body with gifts and abilities to serve each other and the world. In that amazing plan that God has chosen you and chosen me to serve him, he's invested gifts and abilities and you never know what they are until you use them. I had no idea that I would ever be a preacher. You know, I would never speak to a, a per, I was so shy as a boy, I wouldn't speak to anybody. I never went out till I was 18. I, could, I was so embarrassed as a young boy, I couldn't speak. I used to sit in the car when my mum and dad would go and see my relatives. I would lock myself in the car because I was too embarrassed to go in, into the home because I didn't know what to say. I was so embarrassed. And God, in his ultimate wisdom, thought, I'm going to use you to be a preacher. How daft is that? Because I, I was so embarrassed. But I had no idea. So one day my pastor got ill and we just got saved. Me and a, a few guys got saved. And he said, right, I want you to all preach in the next two weeks. I went, preach? What, what's that? And so we said, well, get the Bible, look for a verse and say something about it. I went, well, that's awesome. So for like two weeks, I'm, I'm praying over a verse in the Bible. I just opened the Bible and think, I just open it. Looked at the verse and thought, right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read that verse for a few weeks, pray about it, and then go and tell the people what I've read. I thought, that's what a sermon is. And, and unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I opened the Bible and the, and the, and the passage was as Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. And I'm thinking, oh, right. So I read 10 verses for three weeks and prayed about it. I actually, I think I fasted. I didn't want to eat because I was so nervous, so I never ate anything. But I know that's fasting. I mean, isn't it amazing? We don't know what you're doing. So three weeks, it was my turn. Sunday night, six o'clock. I'm thinking, I've been saved two minutes and I've got to preach this thing in Isaiah 61. So I get up, I read the 10 verses, talk for five minutes and close the Bible and go, Amen. <laughs> After three weeks preparation. After I get off the platform, four people come out and going, God's going to use you to preach the gospel. I'm thinking, what? I had no idea. I was available and just did my best. You never know what God's going to do through you. You never know what God's gifted in your life. You never know what God's ordained you for, or chose you for. I don't care how weak you are, how stuck you are, how useless you are, whatever you think you are, what degrees you've got. When God calls the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He decides, He gifts, He empowers and He uses you for His glory. So none of you are out of God's purpose in your life. I don't care where you're from, what you look like, what your self-esteem is. When God decides to put His anointing on you and His hand upon you, you will do amazing things if only you will be available for Him. That's all He asks. Lord, I am available. Throughout 32 years of following Jesus, I've studied, I've gone to college, I've been around people to help me, but the only thing that qualifies me to do what I'm doing is say yes to God when He asks me to do something. Nothing else. Jason, do this. Yes, God. I'm not really bothered about how much you know. Not really bothered too much about, you know, all this and that and, your net, and, your, and your, all your, your relationships and your networks. That doesn't interest me. The only thing that interests me is that when I ask you to do something, you will say yes. The only qualification you need in your life to amazing things for God, there are people sitting in this room and online that you would never ever think that God's going to call you into full-time ministry. 
And in this room right now and online, one or two of you, is going to, God's going to put his hand upon you from this message and he's going to start calling you into ministry. But all you've got to do is respond and say, yes, God. No matter how scary it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how I think you can't do it, because God always calls people who know they can't do it. Everyone in the Bible that God called couldn't do it. Moses couldn't speak. Jeremiah was too young. Gideon was too scared. Peter was too sinful. Why? Because God will call people that will need God. Not full of themselves that they think they can do it without him. So are you ready for God to use you? Are you in a position in your heart posturing that when God speaks, you will say yes to him? No matter what it is, no matter who's planned your life out, I want to tell you, God may have a different plan for you. Maybe you've planned your life out, but God may have a different plan for you. And when he speaks to you, I hope you're going to say yes to him because the greatest thing that you could ever do in your life is say yes to Jesus. Now on a smaller scale, if you can start somewhere small, just start serving the Lord because God looks for available people. And be amazed what God will do when you take the first step of availability. So secondly, God gives you gifts. Thirdly, God uses generosity. I'm two point. Two minutes, 59 seconds, I'm going to finish this sermon on time. Generosity. The Bible says from time to time, people sold their possessions and gave to those in need. James says, what good is it if you just say to your brother and sister, get well, pray for you and leave them without helping with their, their, their daily provision. Let me tell you something. In the body of Christ, when we get to fellowship with each other, we begin to share our resources Not from time to time. We don't become somebody's source all the time. It's amazing that God will speak to you when you get to know people, you see a need in their life and you want to resource that and you want to bless them with the basic needs. And no, no Christian should have a problem in the body because all of us should be looking out to help someone sometime, not all the time, but as the Holy Spirit leads us. In the New Testament, no one was out need because everybody was concerned for each other. Why? So the gospel could keep being spread. And so we, we've got to be generous with each other. We've got to take care of each other. So prayer, using our gifts and abilities. And, and thirdly, generosity. God always uses people to finance his ministry in the church. The way he talks about bring your tithes and offerings. Come and build my house, not just your own house. God is very strong in using God's uh, resources to build his kingdom on earth. And that's why we've got to learn to release our resources to God and say yes to him in that area. And finally, let's stand together. Finally, the, the fourth way that we can help each other is to share our experiences, what our victories and also our hardships. If we can share our victories and share our hardships, we'll be able to get through. We'll get unstuck. Jesus said to Peter, you're going to fail me, Peter. You're going to mess up big time. But listen, when you come through this, turn round and strengthen your brothers. When you've had the biggest failure in your life, Peter, when I come back and restore you, I want you to turn round and use your experience to strengthen others that's failed me and to let them know there's hope even though they make the biggest mistake in their life. Peter, you can be the example that you was the biggest failure in your life, but yet I use you to preach the greatest sermon that's ever written in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. And if you're in this room today and you've been following Jesus and you made the biggest mistake of your life, 
I want to tell you from Peter's perspective that God can still use you that God can still forgive you, that God can still do great things for your life, just like he did Peter. He says, Peter, you need to go back and tell them that you was the biggest failure in the world, but my grace still followed you and found you fishing and called you and gave you breakfast and recommissioned to, to your purpose. And you stood up with boldness on the day of Pentecost, not allowing your past to affect you for your present and your future ministry. Because I want to give people hope through your experiences. And the Bible tells us that the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles with the comfort that we received ourselves from God, are to be turned round to help comfort others. So if you've had pain in your life, somebody else over here will have the same pain. I need to go to them and share your pain. You know, when Jesus turned up after being crucified, He was dead and now He's resurrected. Have a guess what? The disciples was in fear and trembling. 37 seconds, I'm going to finish this message on time. Jesus walks through a wall and He shows them His, his hands, His scars and His hole in His side. He says, guys, come on, I'm going to share my experience with you. I've been to hell and back, but I'm still alive. Come on, touch the wounds, see the pain. But I'm still here to tell you that God is good and He can raise the dead. And I'll tell you, some of you have gone through some pain in your life, but there's somebody on the other side of you that needs your hope and needs your experience to know that once you was dead, but now you've come back to life for the goodness of God. I want to tell you that somebody in this room and in that world that you're going to tomorrow needs your experience of God's faithfulness. He needs the heartache and also the cry of victory in our life. Everything that you go in your life right now, you will turn around and there's somebody coming behind you that will need your hope, that will need your help, that will need your experience of the loneliness and the pain and the darkness. But now you're on the other side where God has led you. You can lean back in and you can use your strength to pull them out to where you are today. And that's what God does with everything in your life everything that God has done in your life. You can use it for His glory and His good. And if you're in this room today, I want to tell you, you feel a failure. God can recommission you into His service and into His purpose. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, everybody online, Lord, that may be a failure, may have got stuck right now, feels that God could never use them. Lord, let Your grace find them. Let this voice, let them know there is life into them. Lord, I call them forth in the Name of Jesus. And I ask You, Lord, to reuse them, set them apart, anoint them afresh, Lord, and get them going again in the Name of Jesus. I pray for every experience in this room, every victory and every failure, Lord, to be turned to use and to reach somebody with the goodness of Jesus. And we ask it in Jesus' Name and all God's people said, Amen.